right, guys. So let's uh, let's kick this off. Maybe Randy can give us a quick overview, as always, um, on what you covered in your show, and then Scott will do a market update. Um, okay. So look, we we covered the the fight between um, uh, CZ and um, and and um, the SEC. It looks like that fight's getting dirtier and dirtier. We 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 covered like, you know the DMs and stuff like that. I mean, it looks like that fight's really going to get dirty. Um, the more I read it, the more I think that maybe a DOJ announcement could happen. And uh, I guess if we just have to prepare ourselves for it. I think, uh, so that, that's the first thing. The second thing we covered is uh, Coinbase against, ACC against Coinbase. Specifically, we focused on the fact that Coinbase have come out and said, we're not ending our staking service and we're not delisting these tokens that the SEC are saying our securities. And we're actually going to go and fight. And that's the first time that I think anybody has actually gone up against the SEC with such a figure. And, you know, Brian Armstrong's come on and said, look, we're going to get this job done. So that's another thing that we, we spoke about. But we, we did focus on the dirty tactics that the SEC is actually adopting in a clean fight. When I say dirty tactics in a clean fight, the fight could be a clean fight. Go to court, determine whether it's a security or not a security, determine whether you should have registered or shouldn't have registered, and then let's get legal precedent. That would have been a clean fight. But the non-clean part of the fight is that the SEC know exactly how much money Coinbase is making because Coinbase has filings. And what the, what the SEC is doing is they are using multiple weapons to cripple Coinbase in the fight. So what do I mean by multiple weapons? First thing is cut the banking so that people can't deposit money onto Coinbase as freely. Second thing is, declare a whole lot of tokens securities and therefore, you know, hope that Coinbase will delist them so that they can't make the trading revenue from them. Third thing is, keep watching Coinbase's financials because Coinbase is a listed company and obligated to post financials. And then you'll realize just how much money they're losing and just how hard you have to push them to get them to a point where they tap out because they run out of oxygen. So we covered that. Uh, and then we looked at the macro events. We looked at two events, which the market is, you know, we've been so busy in crypto world that we forgot that next week we've got CPI data and, and straight after CPI data, we've got the FOMC. Um, on the CPI data, the Cleveland Fed is forecasting a massive drop in inflation from 4.9 to 4.1 or 4.13. That's a massive drop in inflation. And they're even forecasting a bigger drop in inflation the following month to back to 3.2. So on the inflation front, it looks like the Fed may, I mean, the, the, they may actually stop increasing interest rates uh, for this, this uh, FOMC meeting on the 14th. And that may actually be the Fed's first pivot, so to speak. So that's it. Duran, just quick question. I know, I know we've got David Bailey up here and, and David, we've got a lot of questions for you, man. Um, but before that, Rand, you talked about the DOJ um, uh, announcement coming this week. I know there were rumors that the price action we saw yesterday with BNB uh, relates to that. Has there been more clarity on that point? Anyone else come up with the same rumors or is just that one source that we were debating behind the scenes? So there are multiple, there are multiple um, rumors and that's always the case. And, you know, that just because they're rumors doesn't mean that it is true. But when you read, when you go, you know, I've had time to now read through all the accusations and allegations, as well as I read through Catherine Coley's um who was the XCO of Binance, I read her testimony, which was a whole lot of pages. And um, look, like there's a lot in there. And I, don't, I, mean, I, can't, I can't judge whether it's true or not true and what the excuses are, but they've just got a lot of incriminating 
um, or things that could potentially be incriminating. You know, like there's just a lot in those documents. And, you know, I think that, you know, the DOJ, if I were the DOJ and I thought that these things were true, I think I would have enough to go from it. It's not to say, you know, you know, sometimes the DOJ wouldn't do that or they'd wait for the case to play out or, you know, the DOJ is not under any any time constraints here. You know, they they can keep this going for a long time. They can wait to see the outcome of, 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 of what happens uh, in the SEC case. So, um, look, it wouldn't surprise me if there were. I hope there won't be, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least if there were. Scott, any quick thoughts before we go to David and maybe a quick market update? I mean, everything's flat in all markets right now. So looking at Bitcoin down 1% at 26,417 with Ethereum at 1848. I mean, stocks, nobody cares, but literally everything within a, a you know, t- a 12 bips or something uh, flat. So the S&P up 0.12%, crude oil down 0.58%. Not really much to talk about there. And I think we should probably start t- digging into the topics at, at hand. David, man, how are you? Hey, what's up, fellas? Yeah, you caused uh, quite a stir there. I'm not saying in a negative way. It's justified, but man, you've become the uh, talk of talk of Twitter in the past 24 hours. Um, we pinned the tweet, obviously, above. Major custodian about to declare bankruptcy without last-minute bailout. Take your Bitcoin off exchanges, even Bitcoin-only platforms. Now, I don't know if you're inclined to tell us who that is, if, if you were, great, but I, I have a feeling not. But can we just dig into this a bit? Because uh, obviously, in the uh, current environment, we need to take things like this very seriously. Yeah, and hold on one second. I'm turning off my uh, fountain outside. I'm uh, just making a little bit of background noise here. Hold on. Wish I had. I'm gonna. By the way, Scott, Scott, this is where David. This is where David blocks me because I'm gonna pressure him to try to get a name, give him reasons why he should share it, um, and he's gonna get pissed off and block me. Just a heads up, Scott. No. You had a fountain. Don't you have a fireplace and an indoor golf range? Yeah, but I totally have a fountain that I can turn on and off. Whatever, man. Yeah, you have dreams. Listen, if, uh, let me let me let me read out who he thinks the custodian let me, is. Let me read out. Uh, right, let me quickly read out the the tweet for the audience. So so David tweeted 15 hours ago. Major custodian about to declare bankruptcy without last minute bailout. Take your Bitcoin off exchanges, even Bitcoin only platforms. Again, even Bitcoin only platforms. That's the part that got me. The, the last exactly. part was the one that exactly. Did yeah, me. yeah. Same here. Same. <laughs> he hinted. There's there's hints yeah. there. Go ahead, uh, David. Yeah, so wrong, but I don't want to. I don't want to say the, the firm's name, and uh, you know, if you go re- read the comments, it does seem like, I, uh, you know, there does seem to be consensus around this probably already. But the rumor of uh, prime trust, uh, I'll go uh, ahead and say it. I mean, the rumors. Yeah, so, the, the only reason I didn't want to say a company name is because they're not dead yet, and uh, you know, the information that I have is that they need to receive twenty five million dollars in funding um by uh the start of business on monday so um you know that's five business days from now or two business days and two days over the weekend so uh a lot can happen in four days and so you know i don't want to permanently damage a company's uh name while they still have a have a a a, you know fighting chance um but yeah it's uh uh you know unlike maybe an exchange going under a custodian going under is a bit more unique because they power a lot of different platforms. So even if you trust the exchange that you're using, even if you trust the team that you're working with, uh, uh, you know, even if they're not taking a lot of the same risks as other exchanges, if they share the same back party uh, 
back office custodian, then you can still be exposed to the risks and issues of um, that other platforms have, uh, even if your exchange doesn't do it. So uh, this particular company, they they power um, their custodian for a lot of companies. I don't know how many are still clients. I know they've been under distress for you know, for a while, I think it got to a kind of a critical situation after the FTX blow up. Um, and I'm, I, I know that they've been kind of peeling off and losing them since because that, that distress was known. Um, but it does seem like maybe the events of the past couple of days have accelerated things. Uh, and, um, yeah, how, I, uh, how, how, I, how did the how, David how how did the events accelerate things? If you can dig into it a bit more detail and and explain um, what a custodian is, just for people that are new in the space. Yeah, so a custodian is is basically a a company that provides the service of holding your Bitcoin um, that's designated to you in a uh, like arm's length third party way. So you know you have exchanges that are also custodians where they hold their own Bitcoin. In, in my opinion, you know, there's trade-offs to the model. Like there's a reason why you typically separate an exchange from a custodian. Mike Belshi from BitGo talks about this a lot. Um, so there are reasons why you don't want the exchange to be the custodian, AKA FTX. But then at the same time, there are reasons why you do want it, AKA Cash App, because you know, at the end of the day, like Cash App is the one custodying your funds. Cash App is the one taking accountability uh, for making sure your funds are, are uh, safe. So um, um, yeah, in terms of like what could have accelerated over the past couple of days, uh, you know, if you look at this, this firm's client list, uh, some of the companies that have been hit in the past couple of days, um, are the clients of this, of this firm. So, you know, if there was an acceleration of maybe certain companies leaving the market, uh, perhaps that means, you know, a critical revenue source was lost by this firm, um, Perhaps, you know, perhaps it could be more more nefarious as uh, as companies pull out customer holdings. If there was a hole in a balance sheet somewhere, um, you know, maybe that can be revealed. I think we don't have enough information about what's happening right now. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to have to kind of wait and see. But I think the appropriate reaction for people to have listening to this to just be risk off and take possession of your keys. David, can we talk about um, what a bankruptcy for a custodian would actually mean? Because obviously, very complicated, com right? Because a company could theoretically go bankrupt, but they should still have all the assets custodied one for one. So, in theory, they should have never dipped into custodied assets, right? Correct. So, in in theory, that's correct. And I'm working from the assumption that that's what happened here. I have heard, I have heard the, the rumor mill has been swirling for months. And maybe that's, maybe there's more to the story than what is typically supposed to happen. But that's, I would operate from the assumption that they did what they were supposed to do and customer funds were totally segregated. Um, there is questions around what happens in the event of a bankruptcy of, um, of a custodian. And it's complicated, way more complicated than you would think it would. And some of it comes down to state by state regulations. Um, you know, uh, if there is a hole in the money, uh, uh, is there any clawbacks that it, it gets very complicated. And, uh, in fact, the, 
God, man, I'm doing such a poor job of, of trying to, uh, uh, park. No, I don't think so. I think it's exceptionally, I think it's exceptionally the, there, the, there is, there is one, uh, blog post that was published by the question, the company in question right after the FTX blow up happened. And it was basically a question of like, uh, what happens if we go bankrupt and there, <laughs> which, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. So uh, what happens if we go bankrupt? And, you know, let's just say their answer, the blog, po the blog post answer they wrote was uh, uninspiring, uh, to say the least. Um, it would depend on state-by-state -state regulations. There's not clear precedent. Uh, it is extremely uncertain. Um, who actually has a claim on the assets? Who actually owns the assets? Um yeah, so uh, uh, not a super inspiring blog post, and then about like ten hours after they published it, they deleted it. Uh, oh, that's that's great. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So right. So digging in there, the the company could theoretically go bankrupt, and even if they had the assets backed one for one and segregated, those assets theoretically could become a part of the bankruptcy claim, and then we go down this. Yes, the money's there, but how long until people gets it? Who gets it? Scaled out in what manner? Dependent on what regulator or legislation? Dependent on the state jurisdiction? It's extremely potentially messy. Yeah, exactly. And and David, what would that mean for the ecosystem? You know, looking at obviously best case scenario, they get bailed out, and you know we continue business as usual. If that that, that does not happen, um, how bad is it, and what are the repercussions? <clears throat> Um, hard for me to assess that. Uh, it is a fairly large company and the company has a variety of different products. I don't know who the customers are of all the different products. Uh, you know, they were a very successful business and I, and I, um, I do feel for them. I know they're, they're CEO and, uh, you know, I know that their, their hearts are in the right place of what they're trying to do. Um, uh, so, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of service disruptions and, you know, this, like, you have more than just custody provided as a service here. So, um, you know, you have on ramps, you have, you got to go through the list of all their different products that they have. So, uh, you know, I think in the short term, disruptions, I think in the long term, um, or in the medium term, all their clients are going to need to go find a new home. So in one sense, there's an opportunity there for competing uh, vendors that maybe aren't turnkey but they uh, you know uh uh provide one slice of what this company offered uh to pick up new business and new clients um yeah i can say right now just david looking at uh this is from a tweet but we're also checking their website to vet this but a year ago effectively i mean i can run through the names there were 16 clients listed on their site binance us swan okay coin dapper kraken advisor peak on ramp strike ave dv chain start engine republic bitrex abra securitize t0 and if you look now, it says Abra, Agio, I don't know them. Okay, Coin, Swan, Trust Token, OnRamp. But Swan has already responded very clearly that they left Prime Trust if we're talking about Prime Trust as a custodian. So there's only, I mean, it's, that's 16 down to five in a year. Well, that's, that's assuming that they, they list all their clients on that on that page. And correct. I have more. Like I said, we're just going by literally their website. I mean, see, I think the first thing is that that client list is outdated. Um, yeah, and they lost. Yeah. I see. Uh, and I think uh, you know, I don't. 
I don't want to, I don't want to spread the, the, the FUD circle into other, other companies or other clients, et cetera. Uh, I have been kind of monitoring the language on some of these blog posts or some of these announcements that different people have put out. Um, there is a small amount of ambiguity baked into those, uh, I, that I, my gut would just kind of say intentional ambiguity because no one quite can, can be certain about what happens here. Um, but again, I, I would just advise people, even if everything seems, you know, hunky dory, uh, you know, so I think uh, to take the maximum conservative approach. I think there are a few things to, to notice yet. I think there's a few things that we need to talk about here. The first thing here is in the bear market, there will be casualties. You know, the bear market, we're uh, interested in crypto is at an all time low. And, you know, the fact that they cut off the banking on ramps and off ramps and they reduce liquidity. That, and and the happenings in the last couple of days that scared a lot of people away, and a lot of people being scared away means they're selling their Bitcoin and removing them from 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 custodians. And I think that this is the first of a series of um, ethical and honest uh, bankruptcies if it happens. And when I say ethical and honest, yeah, we had the FTXs and the Celsius, but this is like this is a business that probably has great intentions and probably did everything by the book. But you know, when the when the market changes so quickly. Um, if, if they don't raise funding, they're probably gone. Second thing that's probably worth talking about here is it feels like there's an undertone of trying to get the current, trying to clear the grounds so that the current financial institutions can actually capture the space. So it almost feels like they want all the crypto companies gone, the big exchanges gone, the Binance, the US gone, the Coinbase US gone, all those gone so that they can then come in and almost do it with the incumbents that have been paying and have been lobbying. And I wouldn't be surprised if we got an announcement from JP Morgan and if we got an, uh, if we got an announcement from, from, from other such companies. Don't know, I don't know if it's just me that feels that. I'm, 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 I'd love to hear from the other and, speakers. And who has been telling you this? feels the same thing. Who has been telling you this in these spaces and has been laughed at? Kim.com, but he hasn't been laughed at. He hasn't been laughed at. No, I told uh, I told you guys for the longest time that this crypto war is coming. The U.S. government has no interest in any competing uh, cryptos. You know, they're going to roll out uh, their CBDCs and they want to have full uh, surveillance abilities against financial uh, you know, transactions, and they want to be in control. So they're not going to allow any decentralized cryptos, even Bitcoin, uh, to exist. So what you are seeing now, you know, has been uh, coming for a long time. I just pinned a tweet, ran above, that I sent on 11.15.22 right after FTX, just so you'll know that I agree. Wall Street is going to sweep in and buy up our entire industry for pennies on the dollar. Watch. Who said, who said that, Scott? Nothing who said about- that? I did. Oh, okay. Good. On uh, November 15th, right after FTX, because to me, exactly what Rand just spoke is sort of the nefarious intent. What Kim.com is saying here obviously seemed readily apparent. That's if I'm assuming they want the industry to exist, but I think that it, and, and rationally, I think these regulators and legislators want control. And we all know that obviously they're in bed with the, the banking system. So you would have to imagine that if the crypto is going to exist, they would prefer to exist within that system. Dave, I saw you had your hand up. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, speaking as someone who worked on Wall Street at these firms, you know, in the belly of the beast, as it were, for the better part of 30 years, uh, there's a couple of points that are important here. The first 
is that uh, the government is not monolithic. Uh, we saw a very encouraging tweet from Richie Torres yesterday from the who's a Democrat, you know, is is a, Demo- a Democrat who uh, breaks with his party in many things, uh, admittedly, but is is generally very very popular for where he's from and deservedly so. Uh, on regulation by enforcement, uh, there are clearly is a faction within the government. We won't name them. We all know who I'm talking about, who believe that, yes, they want to see both banking consolidation and all market consolidation in the hands of a few players that they can whip and drive and, and get power from and donations from. But that's that that is true. But it's not dominant. Uh, it is, it's a, a, a very powerful now in ascendancy faction, but it's not necessarily dominant. So we'll see how that plays out, but it is really important to understand the second point, which is that the wall street firms that we're all talking about are absolutely awful at innovating. And so what they always do, and look, I, I, when I worked for city, we bought multiple firms. They actually, a company called lava trading, they bought for 300 some odd million dollars. They proceeded to break it. And it went from profitable under their stewardship to losing money. They asked me to go rerun, actually fix it. And I did uh, and turn it back to profitable. Then I left and three years later it was bankrupt and they basically closed it down. This is fairly typical on Wall Street. Their ability to innovate is awful. So if you read between the tea leaves, what does that mean? If in fact they are successful and they have Wall Street ownership of all of the crypto industry, expect the U.S., asset a digital asset market to basically die on the vine and we will be left in the dust as the rest of the world transitions to digital assets this I mean, is not dying on the vine a lot of speak. people understand. isn't it dying on the vine as we speak well as, certainly as it is. I mean, every company is moving but the point is is that what i just said is well known to multiple people in uh you know in, in politics it is you know there are multiple people in congress and the senate who understand what i'm basically saying that to crush American innovation is a bad thing. Now, I am still, maybe I'm I'm being a Pollyanna, maybe I'm just more hopeful, but I do believe at some point saner people will end up in charge. Uh, I hope Kim is wrong, but the threat is absolutely right. Look, here's the, here's the great opportunity, guys. Uh, let me just chime in real quick. I think uh, the Democratic Party completely underestimates how big the crypto scene is now. And by doing this, they are setting themselves up to lose the presidency, lose the House, and lose uh, the Senate. Like If they are going through with this, and it looks like they will, they're going to completely fuck themselves. But Kim, Kim I want to challenge you on that point. I, I want to challenge you on that point. Yes, I believe that a lot of people have bought crypto. So I think that if, if the stats are correct, one in every four households in the U.S., has bought crypto. But the stats are also that 90% of people that have bought crypto have actually lost money. So we don't know if it's 90, but we think it's about 90. The, the official stats are about 70%. 70% of people that have actually bought crypto have actually lost money. So I know that we are a bunch of crypto bros on Twitter and that we are all very passionate about this movement, but we're a very, very, very uh, small minority when it comes to the vote, right? Um, and, and I think that by knocking the prices down, demotivating us all further i think there's a very small subset of us that actually will stay here through thick and thin and that believes so strongly in the technology for thick and thin i think the average person that's actually bought crypto is bought it to try and make quick cash came to crypto lost i'm not gonna say actually hates this space but kind of couldn't give two shits about this space 
they came to the casino, they put their money in the casino. They didn't realize it was a casino. They thought it was a, a, a hot air balloon and only goes up. And they lost money. Now, I don't think that for the vast majority of people, other than the X million people here on crypto Twitter, I don't believe that for the vast majority of people, crypto is actually a vote issue. I think for us it is. But I think in the big scheme of things, this is a very calculated move by the Democrats um, to say, look, you know, we don't, this is not a very big uh, uh, community, especially if we weaken them further, we can justify to them, you know, that, you know, that we, that you know, crypto is a bad thing and most people lose money, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, I, I must be honest, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that it's such a voting issue. I wish it was, but. I'm also really we we made it well, easier let, for let, uh, Kim. Let, let, let me add two things to it, Kim. We me, we invited them with FTX, with Luna, and recently, you know, with with the recent pump in meme coins and Pepe. We're inviting regulars. We're like, hey, we fucked everyone else. We fucked the retail market. Please come in. All right, so Ren, I disagree with you for two reasons. Number one. You know how tight elections are in the U.S. It doesn't take 77 million to change, uh, you know, who's going to govern. It, change, it, it takes a much smaller number. And I think the community that believes in uh, the future and the independence of decentralized crypto is big enough now to make that uh, dent. Then in addition to it, this, you cannot forget what CBDCs are going to do, what they are going to try and implement here. And more and more people are waking up to what's happening in the United States, you know, with the proxy war, with the way the economy is going, uh, you know, all the things that are taking place, you know, you just see a trend here of people not having any more faith, any trust in the government and in institutions and in agencies. And if you combine that with an aggressive crackdown on a massive crypto community, that is also, you know, don't forget, it's not just the U.S. This is a global movement. And people online, uh, you know, they are hurt. We have, fortunately, the situation on Twitter now where, you know, the, the community can talk openly and freely and you will see the magnetism that the the enthusiasts about crypto will have to change the world in 2024 so if you think that this is not a major issue politically i think you are miscalculating that before before you answer Ryan, before you answer uh, oh, david i wanted to go to you so i'm going through the comments and just for the audience if you don't know already the the bubble at the bottom right corner is how you can comment and ask us questions people are asking especially people that just came in, um, if that custodian does fall, and I know you've answered it already beforehand and you can't predict the outcome, but if they do fall, what does that mean for the entire market? And not just Bitcoin, just crypto in general, VC funding and, and other areas of the of the ecosystem, NFTs, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's, it's another blow. Um, I, I do think that you know, if they were doing things how they were supposed to, customers won't lose funds, which is the kind of the critical key thing. Like we need to avoid there being another, um, you know, cons more consumer damage. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, they can be uh, wound down if that's what comes uh, to be. And, and uh, you won't see any kind of devastating headlines. If, if there is a hole in their balance sheet caused by FTX, um, 
you know, that, that will be a sad situation. And, and I'm not exactly sure how to answer the question. I, w- I will just piggyback on the political question. Uh, the um, We fund an organization and, and co-founded an organization called the Bitcoin Policy Institute. And so we spend a, a lot of time working uh, with uh, different political factions uh, around this topic. I can tell you that the latest polling that has come back is that crypto has a negative uh, impression amongst voters right now. Uh, Bitcoin has a neutral impression amongst voters right now. Uh, digital assets has a slightly positive impression uh, right now. Anti-CBDC has a very strong positive uh, view right now. So that's actually why you're seeing all these politicians come out with an anti-CBDC view. It plays very nicely. Um, and then uh, I totally agree that that uh, uh, crypto and you know our focus is on Bitcoin, but uh, Bitcoin is becoming, you know, a, a, a very serious political theme. There's very few political topics that don't have pre-existing fault lines um, where there's already, you know, a 50-50 divide over the topic. And so this is like fresh uh, uh, terrain to battle over. Um, and there are voters in critical states that are like up for, you know, gaining. And at the Bitcoin conference... Uh, we had multiple presidential nominees come to the conference uh, because they see the growing kind of influence of this community um, from both political sides. And we were in negotiations with, um, uh, what's his name, a guy from Florida, uh, DeSantis. We were in negotiations with DeSantis to come uh, speak and give a policy presentation on uh, Bitcoin and CBDCs um, up until the very last minute. So like, this is going to be an ever-growing uh, uh, political theme, but I do think crypto has uh, a negative a negative impact right now. There's also a lot of covering people wanting to cover their ass because they took money from crypto. Turned out that the people who gave the money were scammers, and now they want to be perceived as tough on scammers. Yeah, David, just listening, sort of unpacking what you just said. What is the actual statistical metric speed behind? That? What does like what is slightly you know, anti-crypto means slightly in favor of Bitcoin, extremely, you know, against CBDC. Like, can we put numbers to that? Because I'm, I'm wondering how fast those numbers could flip. Listen, we all know that, uh, frankly, if all of a sudden, which I don't think is going to happen, we jumped into a massive bull market, those numbers would be wildly different, right? So, and we know that all those people that hate it and lost money would be buying it top once again, because that's what people do in markets. Because it seems like certain politicians have jumped on that exact survey you're saying, right? Slightly negative crypto, that might be enough for the Bidens, Elizabeth Warren, Gendlers to go all in anti. But slightly favorable Bitcoin, we're seeing quite a few presidential candidates not ever mention crypto, but talking about Bitcoin in a favorable light. I would like to chime in real quick, if I may, because this is uh, very important for everyone to understand. The only reason why there's any negative notion about cryptos because we have allowed this great innovation to be turned into a fucking speculation casino when it was always meant to be utilized for people to have an alternative financial system. Once we stop gambling with fucking crypto and trying to rip people off with fucking pixels, this whole thing is going to become our savior. 
And that is why- right. But that's not going to happen. I agree with you, but that's not going to happen because people are gamblers. Right. So like we have to talk, I think hundred percent agree, but I think we have to talk in the reality of where we're at. And I'm not going to pretend that we're not going to make the same mistakes in the next cycle. Yeah. Well, the key, the key to winning the crypto war that the U S government has unleashed now is utilization. Speculation needs to be uh, a sideshow and utilization needs to become the focus uh, of the crypto community. And once we achieve that, there's no shutting it down. Yeah, David, so what are the metrics behind that? Just really quickly, Joe, I still want to get the answer to that question because I'm just wondering how quick, how, how close to neutral that is. So the the I was given this information, like, let's call it two months ago. So, I mean, you know, this all moves pretty quickly. Uh, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but like this is pretty close approximation, like a negative 10 point favorability rating on um, on crypto, like a, a one point favorability rating uh, on Bitcoin, um, which basically you take the unfavorability, you take the favorability and you you subtract them against each other to see what your net your net favorability is. Uh, the favorability of digital assets like uh, five points. And then anti CBDC, like 20 points. And when you're talking about digital assets, is that effectively asking about NFTs as a separate asset class from crypto? No, Bitcoin no, it, 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 it's just about everything. It's it, 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 encompassing. It, yeah, it includes it's crypto. It's just a different word for crypto that they haven't heard in the same, the, you know, these, they're just asking. That's interesting. Crypto at minus 10, but uh, favorable to digital assets really uh, shows you what people think of crypto versus Bitcoin. And, and I'm wondering where that more favorable view is weighted because that seems like it makes it just a uh, semantics on the, the language. It, it, it is. It is. I mean, it's just like this, the, the, the polling that politicians do, you know, like what term should I use to describe? Should I call it crime or should I call it? You know, I like, yeah, it's it's just classic politics and, and low information voters that are just weighing in on their on their inference from words. Um, uh, yeah, so um, uh, I I think it's uh it is definitely like on the on the political topic du jour, um, what, like two groups that we've been working with, um, uh, Club for Growth, which is the second biggest Republican super PAC uh, in the country, is very strong on this on this topic um and they just formed a, a political action group a c4 um club for growth plus tim ryan who's a democratic independent congressman uh who has a lot of connections in the house was like a former whip and then um uh biden's campaign manager from the last election uh so you actually have uh basically the moderate democrats and the conservatives the free market conservatives teaming up um, to really champion, um, champion this, this industry, uh, in DC and they definitely see the political opportunity. And Scott, just to give an update for the audience. So this kicked off with David, uh, Bailey who's on, on stage right now. Um, if you don't know David, uh, we could check out his bio just on stage to kind of get the credibility around the tweet and why we're covering it. And the tweet reads the following, major custodian about to declare bankruptcy without last minute bailout. Take your Bitcoin off exchanges. And then the last bit is even Bitcoin only platform uh, platforms. And our guess is Prime Trust, but this is uh, uh, just a guess. That's why we're not putting it in the headline. And they've got 48 hours, I think, David, um, to try to, to get uh, how much money do they need to keep running? Uh, I was told 25 million by start of business Monday. Now, you know, I'm hearing 
that this from investors. Um, and so it's possible that that timeline is off. But that's and any any insight into the you know, heard anything about the meetings with investors? How what's the sentiment like? I remember when when FTS was looking for 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 dollars last minute a last minute bailout. Uh, we heard pretty quickly um, that it wasn't going well, and then we saw publicly a lot of these investors pull out. How's it looking here? I know a lot of it is behind the scenes. I, I mean, all I can say is that we're a media company, and when you're coming to us uh, for uh, funds, that's not a positive sign. <laughs> uh, Joe, I'll jump in. Yeah, I mean, I think what people, what people were saying in that survey, they just don't understand the link between things. And about people, about politicians wanting to stop scams, you know, there's a there's a Nigerian prince that's been using email for a really long time that's scammed actually yeah, a lot more not, than but they're Bitcoin not banning, But they're not banning crypto. That is, hey, you cannot use those cryptos. You say, follow existing rules and regulations. I don't like, I, I push back when people go crazy at shitting at regulators because it's a very easy thing to do, very popular thing to do. But I don't understand, like, if there's existing regulation, I understand that it's not perfect, I understand the ambiguity, I understand that could have been clearer earlier, and a lot of people trying to play by the rules, Brian Armstrong being one of those people. But then to come in and say, hey, you know, you didn't ban email, why are you banning crypto? They're not banning crypto. Bitcoin is still legal. When we're comparing to China, China banned crypto. They were a lot more aggressive. A lot of people are giving credit to China now for finally starting to open up slowly. It's still, the US is more friendly than China when it comes to crypto. Um, so I think we just, you know, we should just stay, stay realistic. But, but, but Mario, they may, they're trying to make it as difficult as possible when they can easily solve all these problems with these centralized exchanges by launching an ETF, which they haven't done. You wouldn't have so much money on Bitcoin, on um, Binance, or money on FTX. Majority of the wealth in, in crypto is in Bitcoin. That would have been an easy fix, and that's not what they're doing, right? So to me, this is a war on crypto. They don't want it to compete against the dollar the way Kim said. I disagree that it's a big voting issue. What does that to do, with, Joe, does that to do when it, it comes to competing with the dollar? Because a lot of the, the tokens that are considered securities, that has nothing to do with competing with the dollar. Well, they don't want an alternative financial system, right? Can I, can I just weigh in on this real Please, quick? Like yeah, my go ahead, experience here is that, mm -hmm. uh, Politicians don't really give a fuck about what's happening. They, they don't really care about people competing with the dollar. They don't even think about that stuff. They don't really care about people getting scammed. They just care about being perceived as being okay with scams. So it's all a perception game for them. All they really care about is money donated to them. Like that's how the incentives in DC work. I don't mean that in some like, oh, they're all corrupt, though you can maybe frame it like that. I mean it like they're just thinking about how do I keep my job? How do I get reelected? How do I say the right things, the right platitudes? And how do I get enough money in my campaign uh, co coffers so that I can run again? And so for them, solving problems is not actually how you get the most money into your campaign. Uh, the, the way you get the most money into your campaign is to leave problems open-ended and then go to the people to, who are stakeholders to those problems and be like, without me, your problem can't be solved. And so that's why you need to support my campaign. That's why you need to put money into my, into my pack, uh, et cetera. And so... I agree. Perception is everything, David. I, I work in marketing. The thing is, is when people really start believing in Bitcoin is when countries try to put a CBDC or inflation goes double digits, like you're seeing in Lebanon or Turkey or, or Argentina. All of a sudden, everyone loves Bitcoin. Until that happens, they guys, don't. Guys, it's it's not an issue. Actually, they love stable coins and they send them on Tron, but that's a different uh, conversation. I, I Trust me, I think they should love Bitcoin. 
But if you actually dig in, what people in countries with hyperinflation generally want is dollars, and they usually send them the cheapest and fastest way possible. Uh, security be damned. But that, I don't think that's the future. But and, that's just the factual reality. And those but, types of policies. But Scott, if you look at if you look at Turkey, it's different. If you look at Turkey, it's different than Lebanon. Like Lebanon, yes, they are going for stable coins. You look at Turkey, they're going for Bitcoin. Um, they're using Bitcoin like a savings account and stables as a, a checking account, let's say, almost. Newer That's countries that have been switching over. Don't generally have savings. But, I don't disagree. Trust me, I'm a Bitcoiner. I'm just saying, if we're looking at it factually, yes, in theory, we love to talk about people using it as their savings account, but most people in hyperinflating countries don't have savings. Uh, David, I know you're jumping. Uh, they need money to transact every day. Look, bringing you back to topic, David, how is the ecosystem going to look in the next six months? Now with the news that broke today, we saw what happened with the with the with the war escalating with Binance and Coinbase and potentially the DOJ announcement coming this week. Um, are we going to see Wall Street take over crypto? And how is that is a is a good thing a bad thing in the short and medium term for the ecosystem? Again, short and medium term because I know long term it's not a good thing. You know, I don't know how to answer that question. I can just like my impression with Wall Street is like there are some Wall Street firms that are very savvy and they are long term bullish on the space. The, there's a good number of Wall Street firms that they are just herd followers as well. Like they're such big companies. They're basically uh, like their own political entity with political stakeholders internally. And the things that people care about at those organizations is not to lose face, not to lose political capital internally at their organization and when they see shit like this blow up it's a bad look and they don't want to be they don't want to put their credibility on the line internally and so uh, i don't think that this is some concocted strategy by wall street to take over crypto uh, i think there's there's a lot of firms right now that are begging a, a wall street firm to come take them over and no, that, that, that's right i just to, for the record even when i sent that tweet it wasn't the implication that it was like some evil conspiracy i just think that wall street wants to get in and they're going to get it at the bottom uh, when this contagion is at, at its peak yeah and, I, and there are very 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 legit uh uh wall street firms that are in heavy on the like heavy by down they're not yeah and 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 Lynn templeton yeah there's like yeah exactly that that caliber and there's there's probably 50 of them you know uh and they're not going anywhere and uh they are eyeing what what things to do but it's not like there's thousands of them you know it's not like this is a widespread thing it's it's really just the savviest sorry so i was fascinating and i was gonna go to ran ran that's did you hear my question my last question Right. My, I didn't. Sorry, I, di I didn't. I was trying to get onto the spaces. Oh, good man. With the escalation of the war, how is the ecosystem going to look like in the next six to twelve months if Wall Street comes in, which is what we're speculating? Look, I mean, the one big concern is that they've got to resolve this whole what is a security and what is not a security. Like, and I think that, to be honest, I think that's the biggest fight. That's the biggest fight in the world. Is this? Is this? What is a security and what's not a security? If they are right. When I say that, if they're right, if they win in court that all of these tokens are actually securities, uh, that changes the whole landscape because most of these tokens then become almost unusable, let alone, you know, not tradable because, you know, the rules of trading securities in the United States are so, are so complicated and so limiting that it's, 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 it's a bad thing. So I think that's the first thing that has to be resolved. Um, 
But I think regardless, I think, you know, yes, how I see it. I think that they but just play... Before, right now, before, before you continue on that point, sorry to interrupt, but on the point of them becoming unusual, so why are we seeing that reflect in the price? Like, I'm going through those tokens that were considered securities by the SEC. They mostly recovered um, from the drop they experienced uh, along with the market. Um, and the drop wasn't, you know, that catastrophic. Because the battle is a five to seven year battle. This is not a battle that's going into court next week, Tuesday. This is a battle that's going to be, it's going to take five to seven years to possibly resolve. The XRP case has taken, what, three years? And, you know, it's not even really, really, really in court for the biggest fights. Um, so, so I think that's the first thing. The second, the second thing is, think about it from, from a, a regulator's point of view who, or, or think about it from, a political party's point of view who has been lobbied by the banks and the financial institutions. I mean, we know that the biggest money behind DC today is drug companies and financial financial services companies. I mean, that, that's, not a, that's not a secret. Everybody knows that. So you think about it from their point of view. When crypto was too small and not really threatening the institution, well, then they what they did was they said, oh, let, let them play around unregulated. Let's see what this becomes. The minute that we hit a couple of trillion dollar market cap, these guys turn around and say, "Ah, oh, hold on a second, hold on a second. This is not. This is this is this is really something." Okay, now how do we get? How do we get it? Well, let's mess them up with regulation. Let's weaken them, and then you can kind of buy the. You can pick up the pieces for pennies on the dollar in certain liquidations and and uh, and stuff like that. And so I think like that, you know, like that can be an end game. That can be an end game here. Is to just transfer this into you know into the the incumbents, the ones that, that have spent so much time lobbying. That could be one of the one of the games here, so to speak. Um, you know, not saying it is, but certainly something that's plausible. Say that much. And then, sh- hey, uh, I go ahead, David. I, I totally agree with that that take. Uh, the question is, uh, it's really about securities laws. You know, all of these tokens are securities. I mean, I I I, I hate to be like that point blank about it but they're all securities um the problem is that our securities laws are broken and out of date and we need to have new securities laws and um i don't think there's any issue with someone launching a token that's a security uh let's go one step back let's go one step back let's work on the assumption that every single one of these things is a security what does that mean for a network like ethereum given the fact let's Let's play this in two parts. They go to court. In the court, the the ruling is that all of these tokens are indeed securities. What does that mean for the usability and the usage of blockchain of blockchain in the United States? And I mean, let's just look at it from an, from a Solana point of view, because maybe Ethereum will be excluded. But let's just say Solana point of view. So the validators that the validators can't stake the tokens because it's very difficult to stake securities. Um, the the holders can't use them to pay gas fees. The users of the DApps can't use them to pay gas fees, right? Because what you're going you're to pay zero comma zero zero something Solana. Uh, I want to just use the network to do multiple transactions. Every single time I do a transaction, I'm actually transferring a security, which right now, if I'm not mistaken, in the United States, has to go to a registered broker dealer. Blah 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 blah. So it makes it kind of makes these. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but someone maybe someone in the US can enlighten me here. Um, uh, well, it, well, does it render the networks useless? 
Well, where, where it really blows them up is it is it means all the exchanges who want to not be uh, regulated uh, uh, like a securities exchange will need to delist. The liquidity will dry up. The on-ramps will become more difficult into those networks. And um, the value of a network that no one uses in which the price is going down because there's no liquidity of it, like the, you have like reverse network effects kicking in. So uh, I actually think that Whoever is deemed not a security, there's going to be massive consolidation around those assets. So if it's Ethereum and Bitcoin are the two things that are not securities, um, you know, which there are some central points of failure in, in Ethereum that that Ethereum community needs to be worried about. But if those are the two, then I think you see a consolidation around those things. And that's where all the securities issuance happens, because these securities that are being issued, aka tokens, they rely on the liquidity to work. Okay, now let's play this out. Okay, a little bit slightly. Let's go one. Let's go one step further. Uh, what happens if in in Asia they not securities, and then the US really realize that they're falling behind in the in the blockchain technology game? What happens then? Well, that's the dynamic we have right now. But now, but by that time, and we hopefully have an administration change or something. Yeah, well, I I think that. Uh, also, also, let's just let's just go one step back and say right now we don't actually have that because Hong Kong is just opened up, right? They're like just, 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 just opened up. Uh, you got Japan just, just, just changing the tax laws. Um, so right now we're not in that in that. It's like the beginning, beginning, beginning stages. Fast forward two years from now, let's assume that everything's going well and these networks are actually being used. How does that change things? Well, it doesn't make these things not securities, but it does ratchet up the pressure of changing the securities laws. And I think uh, if you have a market like Hong Kong where this stuff is blessed to happen, you're just going to have massive regulatory arbitrage. You're going to have every project based out of Hong Kong. People are just going to use VPNs, which is the status quo already. And uh, any laws that are passed in America just will come ineffective. But like when you see stuff like what happened was happening with Binance, I mean, they're fucking calling CZ. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I had an interesting situation for CZ to be in, but that's the game that they've been playing. And the U.S. government is basically saying, ah, uh -uh, none of that. So, you know, I, I, I the U.S. does take a perspective like their laws supersede all other nations laws and they apply everywhere in the world. And if you get big enough, you're going to have a target on your on your back. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it's uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic. Dave, can you dive into that a little bit? I know that you just uh, DM me, you had some thoughts. Dave Weisberger, if you're there, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that David Bailey, you're making a, a distinction without substance uh, in terms of securities or outside the United States. The U.S. is the only place on the planet that has uh, two different regulators for different types of investments. Everybody else is the same. But the real issue here, and it's a core issue, and you started, you were around the edges of it. And I've been having this argument on Twitter with a couple people today, is that token projects, whatever you think of them, or trying to do something that is literally impossible to do in the United States under securities laws for very technical reasons. And the reason is to do with accredited investor rules uh, and the way that the securities registration process works. So we have things like pink sheets and stuff. We're really very, very loosely regulated, easy to register stuff that can trade on on platforms that are sort of restricted, but they're there. They're, people can buy them. But what you cannot do is register a security in the United States like this and let anybody trade it. For the first year, it has to quote season, 
during that time, accredited investors are the only ones who can trade it. Now, if you look at almost every token project, the, the, they're using these tokens to incentivize at least the good use, not the rug pooling, dumping, you know, shit coining. And there's a lot of crap that goes on. I'm not, not defending all of it. But the core use of incentivizing developers, incentivizing community members, incentivized users, most of those people they're trying to incentivize are not accredited investors. And that's why token development in the US is so damn hard. And that's why they can't register. They can't register because there's, Dave, there's no easy way to do it. Dave, but that's the issue. Dave, I want to ask a question. And, and again, for the audience, I get, we get the questions from the, the comments. So make sure you comment there. Um, the question to you is that if this is going to take, as Rand said, this is going to take years to settle. Um, you mentioned five to seven years. So what happens in the meantime? I don't understand. What does that mean for the startup ecosystem? What does that mean for projects that already have a token that are working on tokenomics and token structure? If we have this battle going on that is pretty much existential for them, um, what will happen Agreed. to the ecosystem? It's moving offshore until people in the United States actually rally behind the actions, the, the, some version of the bill that was proposed last week. I mean, look, I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by nature, but I do believe these actions, these filings happen in, to take the narrative away and take the oxygen away from what was a very unique action by multiple two congressional committees to work together. But the truth is, Mario, you hit the nail on the head. This, at the core of it, is about incentivizing innovation and development. And I, I think Tom Ambers understands it. I mean, he's been very clear about it. I think Warren Davidson understands it. He's been very clear about it. I think Patrick McHenry understands it. He's been clear about it. I'm not sure that Richie Torres doesn't understand it. I think maybe he does, because based on his quotes today, and you know, he's a Democrat, I think that you know, Kristen Gillibrand last year kind of said this sort of stuff. So there is hope. But the fact is, is if you're trying to, if, if the toolkit in the global economy to incentivize open source development is tokenomics and the U.S. bans it, that is not a good thing for U.S. innovation. And I think that that I, I think that may be one of my biggest understatements. Well, before before yeah, Ryan, before Dave, before everyone goes, so while this is a bleak outlook for everybody, just a reminder that we're still here. For anyone that does have a startup and that's freaking out right now, do hit us up. And I know probably not the best time to mention it, but I think it's a good time to mention it, that we're still pretty active in the ecosystem. And uh, if you want to hit us up to work with us, to be incubated, uh, do so. Uh, you could DM me, Scott, or Ran. And that kind of leads to my next question. And Dave, maybe you could take that one or maybe you have something else to say. But what happens to VCs then? Already drying up since FTX, you know, down 90 whatever percent, over 95%, I think, Ran, you mentioned. So now what happens to the, to, 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 to the money flowing into the space? And AI seems to be sucking a lot of it out of crypto as well. I was just going to make an AI joke. They're going to AI. Yeah, I mean, look, VCs are a different... This is a question. Before you... Sorry, I want to shut up. Before you go there, hold on. Guys. Before you go there, I want to ask you a question. You mentioned some Democrats and you mentioned some Republicans, but I keep hearing the same names. I keep hearing Cynthia Dumas. I keep hearing Patrick McHenry. I keep hearing Warren Davidson. Um, what percentage, I uh, keep hearing Tom Emmers, what percentage of senators and Congress people do you think right now actually give a shit about crypto and are positive versus what percentage do you believe right now give a shit about crypto and are negative? I have no idea. Name, do you know the... the that's one of the reasons. Name, maybe you have... I was to just going to say I was because... talking a couple. Well, I would say uh, uh, the answer to that is, do they care or not? The The real question is, do they even understand it? And um, what I wanted to say uh, was, 
um, just for a couple minutes, if you look at the history uh, in the United States, you know, we had the Great Depression, then you had a major banking crisis. And then in 1933, they uh, made it illegal to own gold. Okay. So now modern day, the bottom line is, is this U.S. empire we have is in decline. Uh, That cannot be argued. And the U.S. dollar is uh, at threat. Okay. Uh, because we basically essentially have run out of uh, road to kick the can at this point. So what we saw in the Restrict Act when they called it the TikTok bill, we had hours and hours of spaces on this where they uh, they inserted uh, language in there that uh, could have declared you know crypto or digital payment as a national security threat. So they tried to sneak that in there. So we know, and then you had Lindsey Graham on TV, back to your question, Mario, is he didn't even read the thing, but he was a co-sponsor of the bill. So these guys are just given marching orders. They don't even understand crypto or what they're they're doing, but they see it, I think, as what uh, Kim.com says, as a potential threat to the U.S. dollar. So they're going to go after companies uh, like... Um, I don't think they care. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think they care either. They're just going to vote for whatever they're told to vote for. And at the end of the day, if it's a threat to the U.S. dollar, they'll do everything in their power to uh, ban uh, ownership or tradability of it in the United States. Uh, that, that's all. Back. I'm going to push back. Don't be naive to think it won't happen because they'll do anything to defend the U.S. dollar. I'm going to push back and I'm going to say they don't really care about the U.S. dollar because there's no real de-dollarization going on. There were a couple of headlines in the last month, but the reality is that those headlines have also died down at the moment and that the one currency that potentially they could be moving to, which is the Chinese yuan, if you want to call it that, um, isn't a viable option and everybody in, in the world knows that they'd rather be on the U.S. dollar than be in the Chinese. Yeah, I, the I totally it's agree with you, though. And it's based on dollar. I I totally agree with you there. And I think the de-dollarization talk is a little overblown in the short term. But I think in the medium term, things could unravel more. uh, I don't want to go down the political path. Uh, Scott, before Danish starts to attack all of us, can you just remind the audience of what we're covering? And, you know, David giving us his time earlier to come and share more details on his tweet. Um, regarding the custodian, the next custodian to potentially fall, and then we'll go Danish to to go angry at all of us. Sure, yes. The topic here is that a major custodian in the crypto space uh, could potentially be facing bankruptcy, uh, sparked by a tweet by David Bailey, who's still here. Major custodian about to declare bankruptcy without last-minute bailout. Take your Bitcoin off exchanges, even Bitcoin-only platforms. I think the uh, latter part of that to a lot of people because I think the perception has always been that Bitcoin only platforms are completely safe from the contagion. So I think that that one got uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people amped up. Donish, I missed you this morning, buddy. I'm sorry uh, I wasn't there. But, uh, before Donish comes in, before Donish comes in, why aren't you talking about Gary Gensler being an advisor? To- that is so fun. This is this is so funny. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot. You, you, they are, yeah, surprise. I mean, come on, this is the way it works. Yeah, so, you, you know, so right, man, before tell the audience, can you give us the facts? What do we know? The facts. Okay, what do we know? What do we you know? know? The fact, the fact is that Gary Gensler in 2019, before he got this role, uh, approached allegedly, according to to Binance's lawyers, allegedly approached Binance to be an advisor, 
And his pitch was that he knows the law and he knows how to get around the law in uh, in the United States. Um, and he and, and he met CZ for lunch eventually in Japan. We covered this on my show today that he actually met CZ for lunch in Japan in 2019. Now, why do I think that's that's very and what happened? What, what happened? Right? What happened? Did they? Did CZ well, say no? Well, what 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 happened was I think CZ said no because he was never appointed as an advisor. So you know, um, I guess. Yeah, I guess maybe this is a little bit of revenge. But, I mean, there is something else here that I've actually asked our researchers to do. And what I've asked the researchers to do is to go and make me a list of people that used to work in government organizations. And where did they land up? Whether they landed up working for the drug companies or the financial institution companies or, or the banks. Because I know it's a big phenomenon, specifically in the United States, where people, for example, work for the FDA. And then a couple of years later, where are you? Well, I'm working for Scythe or I'm working for the drug companies or, or, or something like that. And so I think it's like, you know, like I, I even know, to be honest, I even know that Jay Clayton, who is the previous head of the SEC, is actually an advisor to a crypto fund. I'm not going to mention names, but he is actually currently an advisor to a crypto fund uh, among some of the things that he, that he does now. So, you know, it, it's the same games. It's the same games that are being played here. It's the same games that have been played yeah, over and over and over again. Anyway, Danish, I know I cut you off there. No, no, it's okay. Uh, you're right. I, I'm, I'm trying not to do what Mario said I was going to do. So I will try my best. I want to I want to make Mario look bad. But uh, I will say the name, uh, what Ran already kind of said what I was going to say. But um, but this the, there's been this bullshit narrative around de-dollarization that the U.S. is in decline. Decline against who? Like who is in, who is on the other side of this? Now I will. So, say- uh, Danish, I actually agree with you on the de-dollarization thing. I do think that is overhyped, but the U.S. as a nation and other and even Europe is in decline versus who? It doesn't really matter. But is there an alternative to U.S. dollar right now? No, there is not. So okay? this concept, but that them that the U.S. is going to go after crypto because they're worried about the dollar being the reserve currency is like a I will remind everybody that people were up here in good faith, I hope, trying to act like BRICS was going to be a thing. They were trying to make Fetch happen. Remember? And it didn't. So just one. Sorry. No, I'm, don't the I'm, I'm one of those people and I can defend. No, yeah, no. The point I was trying to make was trying to shore up more deposits by not making it whatever illegal or whatnot to own crypto. That's all. Not as a de-dollarization of well, so Joe, don't try to, don't, to don't try to defend bricks, Joe. You're going to get annihilated on this stage. But I won't get annihilated. You know why? Because you keep saying that there is no de-dollarization happening. So then why was 80% of the global reserve currency the US dollar, and now it's 56? And now we have another competitor that's coming up, which will take more percent. Yeah, exactly. I was like, you just made that up, Joe. That is incorrect. No, I so, so, Hold on, hold on. Guys, guys, IMF, I IMF. So I've just got a chart. Dan, Dan, I've got a chart here. And, I, and again, I'm not the expert here. But I've got a chart that the one of the team members sent. I think one of your team members ran. In 01, the US usage of dollar as a reserve currency, it was at 72% in 01. It went up to 73 or so percent uh, late 01. Now it's at 59%. Um, so there is a drop there. And I'll send you the chart. It's in our group, Ryan. I've sent it to you. I'll send it to you now, Danish. And it keeps dropping. So the de is already happening. Yeah, by who? I'm sorry, just Donish, by who? 
uh, IMF. Right now it's happening by the. Right now it's happening because of the euro. It'll have to. Bloomberg, hold on, no, no, Danish, Danish, hold on, Danish, use the source card. Bloomberg posted it. The source is the IMF. It's pinned above. Usage of the dollar as a reserve currency is on the decline. I think what that means, and I, I stand corrected here, is that it is a chart that shows the central bank holdings. Foreign exchange. So this shows this shows the foreign exchange holdings. Hold on, hold on. Rand's explaining the difference. Rand, go ahead. I, I can do it too, but Rand, go ahead. Exchange holdings in US dollars is a percentage of total allocated. That's what this chart is showing. So, and this is by the central banks. It's not by trade. We know that trade is majority in US dollars. But isn't that an indication? Way, but isn't that an indicator, uh, Ryan? Yeah, we were talking global reserve, though. We weren't talking about trade. So I don't want to switch the conversation. Let's go back. Let's, 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 yeah. Guys, 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 Ryan, go back, go back, go back to CZ. Let, let's go, have fun. Go back to, to Gary Gensler applying to become a, a, an advisor to, to Binance. And what, how does that relate to the story we're seeing now? Is it just a coincidence or is there more to it than that? Could it be a personal revenge? I think there's a show called Billions and, and yeah, that has a similar storyline to that. It's like the crypto billions. I can't keep saying this point enough. I'm hopefully I'm going to say it again and I'll say it again for the last time. Gary Gensler is a puppet. Gary Gensler has sold out on his own beliefs. I'm going to tell you why I think that. He is a sellout because, as I said to you before, there is absolutely no way in the world that you can create a course and lecture the course at MIT unless you're absolutely, absolutely passionate about it. Do you know any lecturer at a high, at an at a, at a Ivy League uh, a college or Ivy League university that can create and lecture a course on groundbreaking anything without being absolutely passionate about it? It's impossible. It is impossible to do shit like that. Then you take that and you say, okay, he was passionate about it. He came in and now he's gone, uh, he's gone completely negative against crypto. What does that mean? It means that he, he has sold out his own personal beliefs to get ahead in his job so that maybe he can go from here to being treasury secretary and maybe replace Yellen and, and maybe go even further. These are, these are people that are playing the system. They're playing the system for a job. These beliefs are not Gary Gensler. But, is it, is it, but Ryan, Ryan these is, beliefs, is, his beliefs matter, isn't he? Even he might, again, that, I guess it's going to sound very stupid and the audience is going to go crazy on me. But isn't he, you know, if crypto breaks the law, things that are considered securities should act as securities. If Binance did the wrong thing, action should be taken against them. So Coinbase, what, what, what is the SEC um, suing Coinbase for? Listing securities. And, and the SEC has said multiple times, even prior to Gensler, all these, remember in 2017, 2018, all these ICOs are securities. They've been saying this for, all, for, for this entire time. So why now we're making it sound like suddenly they've shifted when the narrative has been the same throughout the... I know they've been ambiguous. They haven't been as clear and they've been very slow. But the narrative hasn't changed. I think that, to be honest, I think they're doing the right thing when it comes to Binance. I know it's not the popular thing in crypto, but... They do this to the banks all the time. And that's, I just read an article that Wells Fargo paid $3.7 billion in a, in a certain settlement. Now, that's, you know, you're in financial services. That's part, paying fines is part of what you do. There, we, we were in crypto. There were companies that were, offer, that were operating uh, maybe not, too good, too, uh, not as clean as they could. Maybe it was because they believed that the laws were gray and the law obviously believes that the law is not gray. And Gary Gensler is doing what he needs to do. And it just passed. So what's the issue, Ryan? We... Yeah, 
I'm not. I'm just. You, you, you asked. I'm saying. I think that they're doing the right. The issue is with with Coinbase, and and where the the distinction, you know, Mario is. It's not that the SEC has been ambiguous. It's that it is impossible. There's a big difference. It is literally impossible to have tokenomics under securities laws because the laws are outdated and they don't allow for it. So go, but so, so go, so so ignore the yeah. But if you decide, okay, if it's impossible, and and a company and a, and a startup decides to do it, complain about the law. But if you know it's impossible, and you're saying it's impossible, it's clearly impossible. Yes, as he said, I said, it's impossible. Then, if you break that law, which we all hate, and the SEC takes action, what what is so complicated about this? Why we have to talk about Gary Gensler applying to go to Binance, and he loves crypto. He doesn't like crypto. He's a puppy. He's not a puppy. Because just just. The same reason that that it, this is it, it's amazing that we're five years in, but five years ago, people, you know, Hester and others saw a need for, you know, saw that there was a brand new business model that was encouraging enormous amounts of innovation. And yes, a lot of fraud. I'm not going to I, I want to be clear about that. And the fact is, and this is the point, when you regulate as opposed to it, what you're doing is you're using a scalpel instead of a sledgehammer. The idea is to make it clear and distinguish between firms that are firms or groups that are legitimately building and people who are basically pumping their bags and rug pulling out, you know, uh, uh, the people after they sell it to them. And when you go to do blanket bans, you can't do any of that. That's sort of like why FTX happened, pushed offshore. But Dave, Dave yeah, can I just piggyback on that and say that the, the the regulations actually create the fraud because the the like they basically force companies that want to do tokens to contort their token to make it quote not a security and to be not a security you have to you you basically as a model cannot make a profit and so they force companies to to build this Rube Goldberg machine in order to make some bullshit justification that they're not a security when everyone realizes that these are fucking securities. And if they just said, hey, you're a security and here's a straightforward framework for you to be able to abide by, every team would actually prefer that structure. And then, okay, like, uh, imagine how what, what a shit show the Fortune 500 would be if you made all the Fortune 500 companies have to claim that they're not common enterprises, uh, not make any forward-looking uh, uh, promises to investors, not generate a profit, and they had to like somehow make their price of their stock go up without generating a profit. Like everything would end but up David, being a David, 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 you're, you're you're rightly so. You're criticizing the laws, and 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 I think it's hard to disagree with this. But what what I'm perplexed by is how the SEC taking action is suddenly um, the U.S. government declaring war on crypto. Now, there's other other things that the U.S. government is doing that is is questionable, and the Restrict Act is probably one of the best examples. But in terms of the action we've seen from the SEC whether it's Coinbase or Binance, I, I just want to say, isn't this expected considering what we know so far in their narrative since 2017? Mario, you, you can tell when you're dealing with a good faith regulator, they provide clarity. You don't need an email, a stamp to send an email. You don't need a, you know, a broadcast license to, to post a video on your website. And if and if they want to make, if the, if the if Congress will make special rules, good faith regulators tell you how to act within the existing rules. Fair point. Okay, and they would have taken that meeting with exactly, Brian Armstrong. Exactly, exactly that yeah. point. I was just going to say, then why doesn't he sit down with Brian Armstrong, right? I mean, and why when Coinbase walks into the office because they say, just come in and talk to us and says that they want to list a product, ask exactly how they should do it, do they get sent out? 
zero clarity and then get the threat of litigation if they launch without any clarification as to why it would be illegal and why, Although, by the way, and why they can't get a copy. Oh, just for the... Not good faith. That's true, true. And but by the way, did you see all the coins that Binance is delisting? They include, uh, I think, M MKS, MakerDAO, isn't it? There's, there's Ape coin, there's One Inch, Aave. They're all being delisted based on the list I've seen. Have you have you looked at it, Scott? Have you gone through it? By Zenua? Yeah, it's Engine. a monster list. I've been going through it. And and curiously, EOS. like if you take a look, it's almost all... There's the, nothing left. Uh, USDT pair. Yeah. Right. It's almost all... What's, what's pair, left? What's left? Yeah, it's, it's, it's dead. It's a, I mean, Binance US is over. They're winding down. I think that's pretty clear here. Yeah, have you, have you gone through? Has anyone gone through what tokens will be left on Binance US? Anyone? We should ask in the research group. I'll yeah, it'll probably be, not, not probably a, a head full of tokens. The, yeah, we we can uh, we can probably find five. I mean, it's crazy. And the model, what's the problem? Hey guys, I, I I gotta bounce. I just wanted to say thanks for having me uh, up here. Uh, uh, enjoy the energy on this on the spaces. And uh, if anyone is based in Puerto Rico, hit me up. Um, David, let me do, uh, David. Yeah, let me ask you. Let me ask you one question before you jump off. Uh, bullish or bearish, and what are your thoughts on on the uh, market's response to the to the action by the SEC? Uh, bro, I've been in Bitcoin twelve years now. Uh, I'm always bullish, and uh, I'm 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 totally focused on Bitcoin. And I think if you're focused on Bitcoin, you can't go wrong. Um, and so I'm always bullish. And you got three laser eyes in your profile photo, so uh, I, I was I'm not surprised by the answer. I appreciate you coming in, and and if there's anything new to add, uh, do send it to us. If obviously we're able to share it here openly in the space, and you're welcome anytime on stage. Thanks a lot, David. And and cool. and, and Scott, you, Scott, you recommended we invite Corey, and and Corey accepted the invite. Corey, thank you for accepting. I appreciate it. Hey, what's up, Mario? Hey, Scott, how are you, man? What's up, man? Your your guy's name is being invoked constantly in DMs, and I know that you no know, worries. offered clarity, and there's there's nothing I hate more than having a conversation or seeing someone's name without having them here. So obviously, we wanted to get you up immediately. I'm gonna be here for, for about you guys for context. Corey is. Yeah, oh, you I mean, you yeah, introduce yourself. No, it's fine. I'll be here for about probably sixty seconds because I'm about to drop off my kids at school and uh, in a canyon, and I'll lose reception. But um, yeah, I mean, for us, this was really simple. We started uh, looking at uh, basically custodian, you know, diversification back in Q4. And for anyone that doesn't know, basically, the reason that you use a trust company as your qualified custodian is because you can create individual legally owned trust accounts for every user, which means that in the event of the, uh, you know, the broker or the exchange or whatever fund uh, company failure, and in the event of the failure of a trust company, the assets are legally owned by the, uh, the account holder. So that's why you want to set it up that way. So for us, there's no in between. There's never any sense that we would want to custody Bitcoin as SWAN. Uh, for our users, you either get people to self-custody or you put it with a qualified custodian with those legal protections. So I just wanted to kind of point that out as the reason that we set up that way. Now, the number of people that can actually set up individual trust accounts and open them basically instantly via API is fairly limited and doesn't include any Bitcoin-only custodians, right? So you're talking about you know, BitGo is almost there, but not quite. They still require you to have Omnibus, which means you need your own MTLs. Uh, Fortress has it. Uh, Zero Hash kind of has it. Prime Trust was the leader as far as functionality and having that legal setup for, you know, obviously the last number of years. 
but anyway, we just thought it was important in the wake of the collapse of FTX and all the crypto scandals last year that we diversify. So we started working with BitGo in Q1, started moving some states and some users over there where we could, uh, basically only on the high net worth side because they actually had to open up a BitGo account as well. And then we uh, started working with the Fortress team a couple of months ago. And for us, this is basically just a geographic coverage decision. So when we lost New York about two years ago, Take oh off. shit! I thought I thought I was I was literally taking my shirt off while while the space happened. I thought I I kind of ended the space by accident with like my headset, and my and my heart just dropped. But I think he's in the canyon. Um, to wrap it up, um, I just want to say, Scott, I want you to wrap up everything we just discussed in this space uh, and the news of the day and what Corey just mentioned. But before you wrap it up, just want to remind the audience: let us know your thoughts in the comments. Also, hit us up if you want to come on the show. Uh, oh shit, we're gonna start doing Shark Tank pitches. I've convinced Rand and Scott to accept. So hit us up if you want to come on those or you want to work with us um, with IBC The Incubator or, or uh, sponsor the show. Just DM me, Scott or Ran. Um, and Scott, just give us, I think we should do this in every show. Just a final overview for anyone that missed the beginning. What did we cover today and what are your personal final thoughts? Because everyone cares about your special opinion. Well, my special opinion is that uh, I want to see Gary Gensler, who's resonated. I want to see what he listed as his hobby. Okay. Um, but very, very valuable. Very, very funny. Very valuable, Scott. Yeah. Everyone's laughing. That, that, that's what we need. That's what we need. I see. I see. Donis laughed. You know, but I paid him. Um. So beyond that, obviously, the conversation here and it's pinned up in the nest with David Bailey's tweet: major custodian about to declare bankruptcy without last-minute bailout. Take your Bitcoin off exchanges, even Bitcoin-only platforms. We decided to focus on that with David here to get some clarity. Now, to be very, very clear, nothing we ever discussed is financial advice, and we did not officially get a name out of him. The conjecture across the board, and it is just conjecture, is that that is Prime Trust. We dug through who Prime Trust custodies. 16 different customers were listed on their website. We know that may not be up to date a year ago. Now there were only six, and Swan, which is one of them, uh, Corey, just as he dropped into the canyon, made it clear we know for a fact the list and they were not one of them so the concern here obviously is that the messy legal proceedings that would come from a bankruptcy even if the custodian has all of the customer assets could take a very long time to resolve could be state by state jurisdiction by jurisdiction country by country i'm assuming they're all largely u.s so that might not be the case but really could get very ugly even if they have the money for the way that it's released so his recommendation as it should be anyone's i think at all times is effectively take your coins put them in self-custody not your keys not your coins the uh, original ethos of bitcoin i think everyone agrees with that but i can tell you uh in my dms and in our groups I i've gotten a lot more information that needs to be vetted so i think we'll probably uh rehab this conversation to a, a a larger degree tomorrow uh alongside some other things but i, I gotta get a lot more clarity yeah. but i think really i'm pretty pretty amazing that we were able to focus on that singular thing and the implications of it for yeah and i know you wanted to yeah. i know you want to talk about the fucking drama with with cz applying to to join not cz uh what's in gary, gary gensler applying to be part of uh, to advise binance but that's pretty lame story and you started with the conspiracy so i'm glad we didn't cover this shit um and you're not wrapping up the space on my end you know this reminds me of the ftx days not because this is similar to ftx is not even close um, but just because, you know, the breaking news happening live on Spaces. But it's just, you know, I used to say before, because I've been watching Rand's channel for, I don't know how many how many years, back in the old days. Um, and I say Rand is the best host. And I'm second. 
Um, <laughs> that was my ego speaking. But now Scott leading the show is a fucking beast. So uh, just uh, hats off to Scott. <laughs> Didn't know you'll end up being... Because I remember your first space was pretty lame, bro. Like, you caught onto it really quickly. Because it's, so, it's so different to YouTube. And I never said it to you because we weren't as chill as we are now. But yeah, I'm like, Jesus, like, so funny how someone could be so good at, at YouTube. You should, go, you should go listen to my original podcast. Holy shit, it's the cringeworthiest uh, content you've ever heard. And actually, my first podcast of all time was Catherine Coley from Binance US. And I had this, like, long list of questions. And no matter what she said, I just went down my list of questions. It was horrible. Yeah, it is uniquely challenging to manage 12 people here with the research teams in the background and all of us sort of discussing. You guys have no idea how much is going on in the background to produce one of these spaces, deal with all of the guests. And it's, it's. I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I'm used to just having a one-on-one or one-on-three conversations with people about unicorns and puppies and how great uh, crypto is. Yeah, and, and to end it, we are expanding. So we've got a whole team, uh, me, Rand, Scott, expanding the Crypto Town Hall to YouTube, podcasts, etc., so there's a lot coming, um, and uh, yeah, it should be fun. Appreciate you all. We'll see you all tomorrow. It's Monday to Friday, whatever time it is. Uh, see you tomorrow. Bye, everyone.